We are on a mission, a mission to save and revitalize independent pharmacy. On the Catalyst Podcast, we dive into current events that are shaping how pharmacists approach their patients and their businesses. Fuel your passion for pharmacy one conversation at a time. Three, two, one, zero. Ignition. Welcome to the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. My name is Marsha Bivens, Marketing Director for Pioneer RX. Here today with me, my co-host, Jeff Key, President of Pioneer RX, and a good friend of ours, Brent Talley, owner of Hayes Barton Pharmacy. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So I, I see you, you've grown your North Carolina beard. They told me you, you grew a COVID yeah. beard. COVID beard, North Carolina. North Carolina beard's a better, yeah. maybe a better word for that. Uh, I haven't used that yet. So yeah. Yeah, it's funny. My wife, we've been married for uh, 14 years and as she's always wanted me to grow a beard and it just this year seemed right. Are you a hiker? Uh, no, I mean, I like to hike, but not on a regular basis. No. Like the, how but, far is the Smoky Mountains from Raleigh? You can get there in about two and a half hours okay. to the closest place. Um, so, yeah, that, that we go there. We usually go there two or three times a year, um, but we haven't this year, obviously, for other reasons. Crazy COVID reasons. Yeah, we'll figure that outdoor stuff, figure people are doing more. I think I've hiked more this year than um, in any year previous. Yeah, exactly. We just haven't traveled anywhere to go hiking. There's some good spots around Raleigh, actually, some parks and stuff that we've done a lot in, but no traveling yet. I can remember in the early days when we were poor and only had one booth, uh, Marcia and I <laughs> had a show in Nashville. You were there for a show in Nashville, and then I flew up on the last day to load up the booth in a U-Haul. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's because we only had two booths. The other one was another location, and... We had three shows that were literally like two days apart. So it was like shipping is going to be way too crazy. So we made a road trip out of it. Yeah. So we drove from Nashville over the Smoky Mountains. Smoky Mountains were pretty, but I guess was the, yeah. was the BTW from that. <laughs> I think if I lived up there, I'd be all in that. From what I remember, I slept most is of the Is it pretty Raleigh? And I've been there a couple of times. It's pretty flat. Or is it kind Raleigh, of Raleigh? Raleigh is in the Piedmont area, so it's it's got some hills to it. But um, if you go about an hour, about a, forty-five minutes to an hour west of here, it really is a lot of hills to it. But Raleigh, Raleigh has a good bit of hills to it. It just it's kind of hidden a little bit. So, so I haven't talked um, to you in a while. I'm super excited about talking to you. So, do you hear from Tim? I know it. Oh yeah, Tim. So Tim is uh, so when he retired. He sold his house, which was like five minutes away, less than five minutes away. But then I don't remember if y'all, if you remember from the time you came here, but above the pharmacy, there's like five apartments. And so Tim owns the building. He took one of the apartments, combined two of those actually, and made it into one for him and his wife. And that's their location in Raleigh when they're in Raleigh. They spend most of their time at the coast, but they're in Raleigh maybe 30% of the time. So I see them all the time. Right. So for anybody listening who doesn't know who Tim White is, uh, Tim White owned the pharmacy that, uh, that Brent eventually bought. Uh, Tim was a pretty early Pioneer X adopter and probably mm -hmm. one of the hardest customers we ever had. 
pages and pages of questions. <laughs> one of the most detailed. Um, but with a lot of enthusiasm. No, he was, was, I mean, he was. I'm so excited about this idea. I've got pages of notes and it's like, all right. Well, he was, when he was evaluating which pharmacy system to buy, he was the most detailed. He knew what he was looking for. He, he really was the, um, probably at that time and probably maybe there's been one other customer since then that was as detailed as analysis and, and uh, you know, that was Tim. And yep. he was always, uh, which it's weird to think of him now just, hey, I'm just doing the coast thing and I'm, I'm sailing a boat and I'm. It is weird, um, you know, and I, I didn't know how he was going to make that transition because he was so hands-on with everything to a fault at some points. And it was just like, good gracious, and how are you going to take that life and then just turn it off and then go do that? But he was really successful at doing that. I think when he when he signed those documents, there was this freeing ability for him, and it just he just took it and ran with it. So he's been on a boat as much as he has been on dry land pretty much since he sold the pharmacy. And uh, has enjoyed that. He's been up and down the East Coast, all around the Bahamas, and that's just his that's his thing. So huh. he's enjoyed it. Just crazy. I've always uh, it is always. You know, they they say one thing about guys. Most guys have a do nothing button. You know, yeah. you, you 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 try to get their attention, and then they kind of stare off blankly into space because they're playing their do nothing program. And to talk to you, they have to change programs. And I've never really uh -huh. had a do nothing button and would have thought if anybody I was like, I was like Tim White, but sounds like uh -huh. in retirement, he found a way to, cause like the idea of being trapped on a boat. Just... Yeah, oh no. For most people, including Tim's wife, that's not a good thing. So he, he doesn't, so Josie, his wife doesn't really like or love to be on a boat for long periods of time. And Tim, so, but his, you know, it, do nothing is, is little misleading because the entire time that he's on the boat, he's either working on the boat or doing something or, or, I mean, it's just nonstop for him. And that's part of the love of the sailing is to be doing something all the time with the boat and on the boat. Um, and so traveling and doing that stuff. So he's, he's working really hard on it. That's for sure. So when you came to work for Tim, was that a, was it planned from the very beginning that you were going to become a partner and then eventually take over that business from him? Or did you just go to work there? And then he said, Hey, this guy's a lot like me. Yeah. Good question. So we, um, I came to Tim actually as a connection from the pharmacy school because I had had an offer to buy a store in Eastern North Carolina and I was coming from a chain drugstore. I knew nothing about business or what to look for, what measures, what markers to look for. And so one of my professors at the pharmacy school said, you know, you need to go talk to Tim White and Riley. He owns at the time he partnered in five pharmacies. And so he knows a thing or two about junior partnerships and stuff like that. And so I had coffee with Tim one morning and came to find out that that was a poor idea to do that um, at the, the, the position in, in Eastern North Carolina, that is. But he had he actually had the position of manager manager opening up in about three months. So the, the lady who I took the job from was having a baby and didn't want to be here full time anymore. And so whether Tim misled me on that because he wanted me to apply for the job or not, I don't know. But, um, but I applied for it, got it, and here I am. So it's been a great relationship ever since. But I did want to, I mean, he knew my passion was to buy a store and own my own store, whether that be this one or another one in the future. And the deal was that he was going to train me on all the metrics that he looks for, how to run a store, what to look for, how to build a store. And then if Hayes Barton 
came at the right time, then great. If not, then, you know, what could we look for on the horizon? Last time we visited the your store, or yours and Tim's store, um, there was a little burger soda shop in the back. Is that still there, or y'all wiped that it out is. and expanded the pharmacy? No, it is still there, and so that that would never go away, I hope. Um, I don't have anything to do with it. I don't want anything to do with food. Tim didn't either. We don't know how to run a, 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 a restaurant, and so that's kept by another couple who does a really good job with it. And it's amazing. They win. Like this year, we won. Um, the, our, our local area does a uh, um, best of best of um, businesses, and so we won for 2020. We won best local pharmacy, and yeah. they won best best local dessert. Uh, and so it's pretty fun to to promote that. But they do a great job, and um, you know, usually when I'm talking about what I do. Uh, you know, I work, I'm a pharmacist. I work at Hayes Barton Pharmacy. If I'm telling people my age that, then they're like, oh yeah, you guys have great cakes. You have great food. And I'm like, yes, we do. <laughs> we also have, we also have a pharmacy and we do that too. Uh, but most people that don't take medications know nothing about it and they just know about the cakes. So that's, um, it's, it's a great partnership we have with them. Nice. Okay. So we do have Thanksgiving coming up around the corner. What's your favorite Thanksgiving dessert? Uh, by far, so I love chocolate bourbon pecan pies. Pecan pie, not pecan pie. Okay. Um, my wife and I argue about that all the time. It's pecan. If you're Eastern North Carolina, it's definitely a pecan tree. It's not not pecan anything. Um, so chocolate bourbon pecan pie is is my favorite. My father-in-law makes one, and and the grill next door makes one, and they're about the same, and they're amazing. Um, but definitely, hands down, my favorite. Jeff, what's your favorite Thanksgiving? holiday dessert wow it's like choosing which one of your children do you love the most uh, <laughs> i love chocolate pie marcia makes an amazing chocolate pie by the way um what about yours i the chocolate pie with the meringue top yeah it's also uh, my grandmother's recipe she taught me how to make it it's that's my favorite is chocolate pie with the meringue top the my meringue wife all, top. Uh, my wife also nice. does does drum roll pralines Ooh, wow and so those pralines. are that's good those are Not really pralines. really good as well no they're, they're pralines, now, pralines. I, <laughs> I could translate for you pralines probably if you're yes. but pecans. if you go to louisiana they'll correct uh, you if you say praline it's praline right yeah so yeah well i can understand that coming from louisiana but it was uh, i didn't i didn't understand what you said to start with so yeah Pralines. It took me a while to convert. Pralines have pecans in them. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a different, yeah, that's you good. know, the dessert crystallizes a little different down here, probably, you know, for the whole uh, thing yep. there. So how's the I pharmacy? Tell us about what's going on in the, a matter of fact, interesting, what changed? So, you know, Tim signed the papers and hit the, hit the boat button. What yep. changed? Um, really not a whole lot for the staff. So, I mean, I think Tim had, by the time, I mean, I had worked for Tim for eight years prior to the ownership. And in that eight years, it sort of really groomed me to be in the position I was. And so I, I pretty much had full control over the staff and everything that was going on in the pharmacy for the most part. And so the staff aspect of it really didn't change for the day to day at all. Um, my day-to-day, -day, of course, changed. I had to quickly learn a few things that you just, 
I don't guess really get to learn unless you own a store um, and dive deeper into it. And so it took me it took me a while to get some things under under wraps um, and figured out. But for the day to day, it really didn't change at all. Um, so it was a really nice, smooth transition. So y'all are doing vaccines. I know because I we think are. one of our visits, you gave me my flu shot that year. Uh, that might have been your, was that your first visit here? Might have been. It might have been. That's yeah. a lot of trust. Absolutely. A lot of trust. I, well, typically in the fall, pre-COVID, we would visit a pharmacy and uh, we do flu shots here in the office for all of our employees. And Jeff and I are always usually out visiting a customer and I just go, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and let this pharmacist do my flu shot. So you lucked out and you got to get my flu shot that year. Um, and I think, yeah, it was one of my first uh, visits to your pharmacy. I, I don't know how she remembers all of this kind of thing. Rolodex. What did what, 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 you wear? Do you remember what you wore? Something easy enough to get a flu vaccine in. No. Usually she can tell you, you know. It's like my wife does that as well. Like not only... Like if I question something for her, not only does she define it by the day and time that she did it, but also what she was wearing. Right. And I don't have any clue what I was wearing or any. And so it's like I can't dispute it. I can't. It's like yeah. well, I don't know. Maybe that's how they bring uh, they 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 bring evidence to it. Because Marsha exactly. be like, well, you know, you did this thing wrong here. And mm -hmm. I was wearing this, and you were wearing. To like, okay, you done made the scene. I don't remember any <laughs> that, of that. That's not the only time my memory is brought into use it's marcia do you remember who this person is and i'm like yes do you remember what we were wearing that day uh-huh just mm -hmm. crazy yeah, so your wife I, has that, that skill must just be a woman thing i don't know how i don't, I don't know, know how either do i don't well we have to keep up with all the lost keys and cell phones and wallets yeah. and toys and but so yeah, and it could be that she's just smart enough to make it up but i really don't think I, it is you like, know i, I wonder that sometimes picture. i you know that the, the confidence that that comes with maybe they're oh, just no, making absolutely it up. my memory mm. is convenient to you until it questions something puts you into question then you're like nope you're wrong i don't believe you but no. when you need mm -hmm. it it's resourceful i don't understand exactly <laughs> So uh, you're doing. I know you're doing vaccines. Um, how about COVID? Yeah. I, I did read yeah, that y'all are doing, doing COVID, COVID testing. testing. Yes, we did start with COVID testing, um, and uh, it just kind of fell in my lap. So my thing with COVID testing was how much um, how much are we going to be able to get reimbursed for it? So what is our what is our margin on it? Because you know, it, if you're going to put staff at risk, how much of a margin can you make on it to make it worth your while to do that? And then um, how can we minimize risk for that? Because as a local pharmacy in a big city, but in a local pharmacy, we had a ton of questions coming around about COVID testing. And so we just felt like trying to offer something for the patient other than directing them here or there. If we could offer something while keeping the staff safe and being able to you know, make a margin on it that made sense for us uh, to provide the service and the PPE and the extra staffing and stuff, then we would do that. Um, and we just happened to find a local lab up here who was piloting, um, their product and they had a spit test. So it was one that wasn't a nasal swab that went to your sinus cavities, um, and all the way up near your brain, but it was a spit test. So much easier for the staff, for the patients to do it and much less for us to do from, um, a risk standpoint. And so we basically bring the test in. The patient, we had to redesign our website a little bit so that it would contain a questionnaire with it and a scheduling uh, 
part of the website so they could go in and schedule it after doing a questionnaire. Um, but once they did that, we would be able to kind of just walk the patient through it, say, take it out to their car so we don't have to do it in the store. We take it out to the car, talk, tell the patient exactly what to do. And then the app that comes with the test basically walks the patient through it. And so it was really easy transition for us. I mean, we, we were the first ones to do it with the lab and we just kind of troubleshoot. We were, we, our task was kind of troubleshoot the whole entire process. And, um, which is fun for me. Like I, I mean that, you know, in the middle of COVID, there's a lot of things that are going that are day to day, just the same, same old, same old. And I just, I don't do well in that environment. So, uh, something new was for me. And so we did that. It was a challenge. There was a lot of testing and a lot of issues with it to start with, not from a quality standpoint, but just figuring out the steps between us and the lab and the patient. And once we figured that out, we're, we're really done, have done well with it. I mean, we're doing somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 a day, 10 to 12 a day. Wow. Um, and, um, and getting reports out the next day for the most part. And so it, it's worked really well and have gotten a lot of good feedback from it. So, and we passed it off to a lot of other pharmacies as well in the area that have been able to do it and, and, and do well with it. So it, it seemed like a, a pretty good thing and it's, and so far so good. You know, hopefully, you know, in six months we won't be doing it anymore and, and we don't have to worry about it anymore. And then we'll have the COVID vaccine to worry about. But uh, it was, it was a fun, interesting project and transition. And I'm glad we were able to offer it as a uh, as a solution to the to the community because at the time that we started it the 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 sites were so overwhelmed because there weren't that many in our wake county area and the sites that were doing it were overwhelmed and their turnaround times were like five to seven days and some of them still are but five to seven days is you know that that just disrupts people's lives so much when they're trying to work or put their kids in daycare or do this or that or the other and so we developed this solution and we were for a while there, we were like one of the fastest turnaround sites in, in Wake County. Um, and I think, uh, and, and as it has broadened out more, you know, there's been more options, but we're still doing a lot of them a day. And, and it was a fun learning curve, but it was sort of a steep learning curve to start with. What about you see, are y'all doing a lot more flu shots than normal? Oh man, flu shots have been crazy um we've almost doubled in the amount of flu shots that we've given um and it was just a wild we do a lot of off-site clinics too so we go to there's a lot in this area because it's such a populated area we have a lot of retirement a lot of retirement communities and so really hard for them to get out uh the doctors that go and see them on site don't have enough shots to go around typically so we always schedule these well in advance months in advance for those clinics to go to and do. And the demand was so high in September that flu shots started coming in short supply. We had a heck of a time getting, I mean, we had, I, I usually look at my numbers. We, we, we usually order our flu shots in like February and March. And I usually look at the numbers from the previous year, add about 20% to it and then roll with that. And the way that they dole out the flu shots is they dole them out in percentages as you go. And so by mid-September, we had only gotten about 50% of our allotment and we were out and we had clinics coming up. And so we had to reschedule clinics for mid to late October. And we were still just giving them one after the other. Finally got it in, got it done and, and we were able to take care of it. But it's been a huge tick up for that. 
a good tick up. I mean, you know, people are really getting vaccinated, um, you know, from all ages. But we we have seen a, a, a massive increase this year. Are you are you measuring first time vaccinators? Um, no, we're not measuring it. Um, we have had a lot of first just just um, questionnaires, you know, on there, and we'll talk to them about it. And because if it is a first time vaccinator, we you know we we pretty much stress the the for them to have kind of hang around the pharmacy so that we can monitor how they're doing and and make sure that there's no side effects for them initially um, and make sure that we educate them very well. So we've had a lot more of that, but I haven't measured it per se. So you've always done deliveries and vaccines. Has COVID affected your business any, or have you seen, you said you're seeing an uptick? Yeah, our numbers, so our our RX count is up as well. Um, it, It sort of, steadily climb throughout the whole COVID thing because we, you know, I think most of the chains in the area offer some degree of delivery, but they didn't, they don't do it very well, um, to be honest with you. And so we got a lot of customers who were interested in the delivery. We also transitioned everything to a much more of a curbside service using the Pioneer um, texting stuff that we did. So we appended the message, the outgoing message for patients that just said, hey, your prescription is ready for pickup. When you arrive to pick the prescription up, please reply to this text message and we will bring it out to you. Um, and we had a huge tick up in curbside and I think people like that as well. Um, so the delivery service went way up and the curbside service went way up, um, which was a challenge and it's still kind of mitigating that challenge as we go because it's just a, it's a higher cost. You have to have more staffing on, 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 you know, to provide a good service. And so it's just one of those things, but our our overall script count has steadily gone up throughout the months of that. Our over the counter sales have not done as well, but are back to about pre COVID levels right now. Um, because we did close the store for about three months right there in the middle of it. Wow. Um, when they were shutting everything down. So nobody was allowed in except for like a vaccination. Uh, and that was pretty much it. So going back to a little of the home life, you've got two little girls. I do. And I saw yeah. that uh, one of them got is kindergarten or first grade. One of them, she's in second grade now. Okay. So time flies, but she's in second grade. And the other one is in pre-K. And she just went back two weeks ago to start the pre-K. My other daughter's still doing virtual learning. Um, Wake County just started seeing kids back yesterday as a matter of fact and so she's on like the second rotation of that so she'll go back i think next week um it's so convoluted i can't keep up with it i just i'm like my wife's like all over it i'm like you just let me know if you need anything because i don't know what's going on and just point me in direction and i'll help but i I don't get it so um, but they're um, doing great there was a meme going around that Mark and I saw, and it was, uh, I feel like I'm my kid's personal assistant. You have a Zoom at 8.30. Your next one is at 9.30. You have lunch at 11, but don't forget about your Zoom at 10.30. Yeah. I mean, I've been home at times, and, and sometimes they had to, she had to bring him to my office because my wife is like my, she's my, my bookkeeper. And so mm-hmm. she would come to the office on days where she had to print checks and do stuff like that. Um, and my daughter would be doing the schooling there. And I was like, I'd walk in my office and it'd be in the background. And I'm just like, oh, man, this is crazy. And I, there's no way for me to keep up with that schedule. It's just oh, uh, she's on and then she's off and then she's on and then she's off. And now we've got a two hour break, but now we've got to be back on. And then we're on for 30 minutes. And now it's work alone time. And I was just, I don't know. 
Oh, I know. My son, his Zoom starts at 7.45 in the morning. Wow. At least he doesn't have to go far. Yeah, he doesn't have to go far. And I'm kind of relieved it's for him at Zoom because otherwise his bus would pick him up at 6.05 in the morning. Yikes. I know. How how old is he? He's in uh, sixth grade. So That's yeah, not easy fifth for and a sixth, sixth grade, grade to get up for that. Yeah, fifth and sixth grade, the bell rings at seven fifty-five, but their Zoom classes are starting at seven forty-five, and the bus Eesh. would pick him up at between six and six oh five, and I'm like, that's nuts. Yeah, that's 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 tough. So when do they go back? So right now we're on a we're in a quarter system, and yeah. you get to vote each quarter you know, do you want them to be in person or online? So right now, both of mine are online. I've got one in sixth grade and one in high school. Um, And she's like in three AP art classes. And her requirement for the art is check in. Yes, I'm here. Great. Here's your assignment. Now go get it done. And you need to send me the a picture of the image by X date. Um, So yeah, right. And we're taught they're begging to go back to in-person, but with the numbers spiking like they are, yeah. I don't see yeah. that happening in winter. Right now, we're yeah. talking about letting them go back in winter, but now we're like, Mark is team in-person just for their sanity because we're sitting here whining and complaining about how this is affecting our business and our life and our work life, but we're not thinking about how this is really affecting our children because they're still yeah. socially developing. Yep. And it's definitely, yeah, we, we definitely see it in our kids. Um, mm-hmm. Not our youngest one, because she loves having the older one home. But the, uh, in the older one, I mean, she's such a social butterfly at school. And to be at home has not been the best thing for her all the way around. Um, yeah. Oh, so. yeah. My daughter has moved to uh, FaceTime movie watching together. <laughs> so Mackenzie will watch the movie and then she's got her friend on her laptop right here, like sitting on the couch next to her. Watching it. Yeah, I saw where Hulu has done, maybe it's Hulu or Amazon has done something like that where you can click a button and have a watch party where yeah. you actually are streaming it, you're watching it together. Yeah, and talking about it. my kid likes to watch horror movies and I'm like, okay, these are allowed, but she's got one friend who's the oldest and has all these younger siblings and the mom uh, says, no horror movies, because I don't want four scared kids in my bed just yep. because you can handle mm-hmm. it. Yep. So I'm, I think I'm aiding uh, and abetting on horror movies right now. <laughs> how, how did your staff do with COVID? Uh, you know, it's a good question. They, um, we, we really focused on trying to keep them, their spirits up and trying to make sure that they felt, uh, uh, felt good about how things were going, stress the fact that, you know, if you feel like you need a break, then you just tell me and we, you can take a few days off. I mean, whatever you need to do, we've been stressing that from the get go because it's not been easy on you can kind of I mean, everybody, when you, when you work together with somebody that closely every day, it's not hard to see how they're being affected and what their what their moods and attitudes are. And so sort of when we see that, we just kind of pull them aside and be like, hey, you know, what's going on? Can we help in any way? Is this just a bad day? Do we need to talk about it? Do you need to take a day off? Um, and we did a lot of that to make sure that everybody's doing well. But I would think over overall, everybody's done really well. Uh, it's just been tough on the one hand because things have changed so much, not only 
in the pharmacy, but also in their personal lives, things are changing. You know, some of them have kids um, Marsha's age. Some of them have smaller kids. Um, some of them have infants. Some of them have older parents that they live with. And it's just been hard to sort of navigate that and keep the anxiety level down. At the same time, a lot of our customers who are usually really easy to deal with, you know, will have bad days. And when they call, they talk to the staff and it upsets the staff. And so they have to vent or figure out how to do that. And it's really been my job and the um, my senior pharmacist's job to sort of help catch that and nip that in the bud before it gets out of hand for the staff. But I mean, they've done really, really well. It's just, you can see, you can, it's palpable how you can, how you can see the changes in people um, just because of the whole stress level for things going up. And so we've tried to be really on top of it. Uh, and I would say overall, they've done really, really well. So program wise, you've come, sounds like you've come up with a pretty good um, COVID program and working with another cl- working with a testing clinic. Um I read a little bit about uh, FIGS, the filling in the gap. Can you talk to us a little oh, yeah. more about that? Yeah, yeah. So one of my one of my goals when I took over the pharmacy and what Tim and I had been working on and talked about it a bit, but had never really come to fruition, was to create a nonprofit for people in Wake County that couldn't um, couldn't afford medications. I get them all the time that are referred to us that can't afford their medications, and we handle it in different ways, but there's only but so many things one pharmacy can do. And so my goal was to create a nonprofit that focused on medication education adherence in exchange for an ability to comp the patient's medication copay for them. Uh, and in my digging and doing that, I found out there was already one there. There was already a nonprofit created. And how I didn't know about it was a little disturbing because it's been going on for 20 years and there's only like three or four pharmacies involved in it. So um, reached out to them and to the to the FIGS, FIGS is the acronym for it. It's called Filling in the Gaps of Wake County. And the entire purpose of it is to provide medications to patients who can't otherwise afford it. Uh, and the way that they were doing it previously is that they were they were working with a lot of the open door um, nonprofit clinics that saw these patients and they would help set the patient up. And then the patient would get a little coupon and take it to the drugstore. And then the drugstore would provide the medication and build the figs on the back end for it. Um, and so a few months later, I found myself on the board at figs because there was a, 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 a position open. And so I'm now sitting on the board at figs and we're helping to working to expand that program further out into Wake County. So we are working, we've expanded to a clinic that we work with, uh, another clinic that we work with directly um, that we also uh, developed a 340B contract with. So we're now utilizing the patients and getting them better costs, but also allowing the money that FIGS provides to go further because of the 340B program. Uh, and we, uh, we also developed a uh, relationship through them with mobile health unit that works throughout Wake County, providing they go to travel to a few different spots in Wake County and provide care on certain days of the week. Um, and that was from the University of North Carolina Nursing School. And um, so we provide um, supplies to them for a lot of what they do through the same program. So it's been a great experience, a great learning experience. 
and we, we, we've hopefully touched a, a lot of people so far, but we're continuing to expand the program. So it's really been a fun adventure to be on. Again, I said I don't like to keep things the same. I got to figure out right. some way to. Well, to what's make cool is different. I hope that people listening to this, one of the things they get, and 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 you have a successful pharmacy. You know, one of the things they should have heard is your RX count's growing. So mm-hmm. most people in COVID, RX counts were were down because people weren't getting elective surgeries, things like that. Your RX was just growing. And I hope that they're also hearing how connected to the community that you are, right? I heard right. about this program, and I work to find this program, and I work. You're not hanging a sign. You're not sending out postcards saying we do uh, this or that. You're you're really involved with the community. And, and, and that's been one of my openers really just in the last year is that if a pharmacy is going to be successful today, an independent pharmacy, they're connected in their community. And if they're not connected yep. in their community, they're not going to be successful, right? They're just buying yep. their time till they sell that pharmacy to, to somebody yep. else. And that, that really kind of my, my ability or, I mean, my want to do that, I got to give Tim White credit for that because my second year into being in partnership with him as a manager, uh, he pulled me aside. He's like, all right, you're, you're trained up. We're doing things. The pharmacy is not really growing a whole lot. But if you really want to take this and make it your own, if you want to build this business, then you've got to get outside the walls of that pharmacy. There's no way to sit in here and just expect business to come to you. You've got to track it down and you've got to be a part of this community. And so I will allow you to do that, but it's up to you to figure out who to connect with. And so he gave me a couple of leads and we just kind of built it from there. And the amazing thing is that once you, it's a trickle effect, but it it started just kind of, you know, how we got into the, the lab testing, how we got into the FIGS program how we got into the 340B for all of these things are, are things that have come from, you know, well, I met so-and-so and they referred you over to here. Or I met this person and they knew you and they said that it might be a good thing for them to come talk to you about it. And so it's just like you, you, you think that one little small connection, one small meeting with a, a person from the city of Raleigh or from UNC or from Duke hospitals, you know, or they, they may not proliferate into anything initially, but if you meet enough people and if you have a, a, a good thing that you want to bring to the community, eventually that just starts to start the snowball um, is what we found. And so those things you're wondering, I mean, people, you know, I, I have pharmacists that I'm connected with and they're like, how in the world did you, figure out to develop that relationship with that clinic to get a three, four, how did you do that? And I was just like, and, and it's not like it just fell in your lap, but it sort of did because you de- you've worked on over the past eight to 10 years, you've been working on developing relationships within the community and those things pay off and you can't just sit there and wait for people to come to you. You got to go out there and make it happen. And that's, that's the number one thing I tell people, you know, when they're like, well, you see your, your script counts are, you know, three times what mine are. Why is that? Your, 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 your neighborhood is not a whole lot different. And I'm like, well, how are you, how are you, how are you marketing, but how are you reaching out to your community? You can't just sit there. You really got to get outside the walls of your pharmacy and learn what the problems are and how you can fit into that. So as a pharmacist, I'm kind of hanging my head, and you said eight or ten years. But the journey of a thousand miles starts with a first step. So if you had to give two or three points to say to somebody who had a pharmacy and 
and realize they need to get out, what, where would you tell them to start? Um, so I, I think the, the place that I started was trying to figure out, okay, what is one of the major problems that I see on a daily basis? And one of the major problems that I saw was transitions of care. So transitions of care is still a major issue no matter where you go. People getting out of the hospital, people getting out of rehab, people trying to figure out what their medications look like and how those mix in with what they were on and what they're now on and being super confused about it. And so there happened to be a group for me that was like a transitions coalition in Wake County. And so it was led by rehab facilities and people that were discharge planners for that, discharge planners for hospitals and um, SNFs, so short-term nursing facilities and, and those groups. And if you have those in your area, it's a great place to start because that that those are patients that need a lot of help in those hospitals and those those rehab facilities. I mean, if the patient goes back to the hospital within 30 days of them being in their facility, they're going to get docked for it, right? And so they need help with it. And they may not know that you offer those services because they're not going outside the four walls of where they're at. And so starting there and, and working towards some of those people, also, you know, finding out from your the, your community, your city council, what are they doing to attack certain problems and where can you fit into that? You know, is a great place to go with it. We have several city council members that are customers of ours and we stay up to date on what those needs are. We have a meeting with our with our community group um, in our little five points area of Raleigh that kind of addresses a lot of those issues, a lot of those issues. OK, well, where as a pharmacy do I fit in there? What can I do from that? Calling your physicians, you know, calling your pediatricians. What are you What are you missing that you can that I can help with? What can I do here? Oh, hey, we got this great adherence packaging program for your elderly patients. You know, can we? Is there a way that we can work together to figure that out? Is there something that we can do? And you know, a lot. I think a lot of pharmacists get frustrated because they put in a ton of time, a ton of energy, talking to people. And it seems like things never come to fruition. I think the biggest mistake is that you stop, you know, when it just takes one connection to really get that going. Um, one connection can make a huge difference for you. And so the journey of a thousand miles starts with one step and you don't know what step is going to be the one where you where you cash in on on growing your business. But you can't stop. I think is the is the point. No matter how frustrated you can you can change how your approach is, but you can't stop. So, what would be your recommendation for other pharmacists about making those connections? So, I assume you made some of them through the Figs board. Um, I did. Yep, I made some through the Figs board. I made some just by uh, calling doctors' offices. We have a we have. Um, prior to COVID, we have a community liaison, so uh, a marketing person who had been a marketing person for UNC Nursing, so she knew how to get into physicians' offices and do that. So we utilized that, and that was very successful, not in getting the program signed up, but making making physicians aware and making that connection between us and what we're doing and how we can help and maybe getting us in front of the physician at some point in time for a meeting. Um was very beneficial. Um, and it's just really keeping your ear to the ground as to what problems are going on in your community and 
who can you talk to about potentially being uh, a solution, helpful, a helpful solution for those. Um, and, and just really picking it up and going from there, you just got to pick up the phone and make a call or go knock on somebody's door um, that, that makes those decisions. And a lot of times you'll get a lot of eyes wide open. Like, oh, I didn't know that y'all did that. That's pretty cool. Um, and, and that's what we've seen. And sometimes you get them saying, yeah, no, we've tried that. We're not going to do that anymore. And you know, you get a, you get that, but you just, you got to keep doing it. So now, now what you're hearing there is you have to have a story to tell, right? You have you to have a good story. You to can't tell. call them and tell them, Hey, what can we do for you? And they go, well, what do you do? And you go, nothing, right? You have to have yep. the medicine, you know, you have, you to, have to have hey, a success, we success can story. transition to care. These are programs we're doing that, that can help you. Anything fun? What have you, uh, uh, fishing, anything? I heard you're a fisherman. Yeah, I, I'm a huge fisherman. Um, I love to fish. I don't have much time to fish right now between the business and the kiddos. Uh, if I'm going to pick something, fishing or kiddos, it's going to be the kiddos. So, I do that a lot, but I, I usually break away once or twice a year to go offshore fishing. North Carolina offshore fishing is amazing. Um, and so luckily enough, I have a, I have a really nice customer who has a really nice boat, um, a really nice boat. He owns a local jewelry store in town, and he's been, been trying to connect with him to go fishing for the past three or four years. In the summer, he was like, hey, I'm going fishing tomorrow. You want to go? And I was like, yes, I do. I would stop whatever I've got to do. And luckily enough, so I've got my daughter's eight years old, never been on a boat like that, never been fishing. And um, bucket list thing was to take her offshore with me. So she got to go and she just had an amazing time. One of the best days I've ever had. And um, so that was that was awesome. Yeah, she got to go out and she caught a wahoo and she caught um a mahi or a dolphin she was she was reeling it a funny story is that she was reeling a mahi in we were standing at the end of the boat she's reeling a mahi in and she's like dad i can't it won't it won't it won't reel and i'm sitting there looking at it and i'm like i saw the size of the fish and i was like well that's that's not a big fish so let me let me just help you with it so i grabbed it and i couldn't reel it i was like well that's that's weird i'm something's not working when it's real. And, um, finally it started to come. I was like, ah, what's going on? Well, it was, it was in a shark's mouth, um, is what happened. And so oh. we were trying to reel the shark in and the mahi. And, um, when we got it to the boat, it was just half of the fish that was remaining. And so, um, I didn't know whether my daughter was going to be like screaming cause there was blood <laughs> everywhere, but she thought it was like the coolest. She, she went home and told her all of her friends that she caught shark and she was pretty much a big deal at that point. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. We had a great day. Um, nice. Caught a lot of fish and a beautiful day. So is there any fishing? So it's offshore fishing. Any kind of local fishing? Is there oh, any yeah. kind of trout yeah. or anything like that going yeah. on around there? Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's all kinds. I mean, North Carolina, I grew up on the coast um, or what they call the inner bank. So if you're looking at North Carolina, the furthest piece of water that juts in right in the middle of the state, that's where I grew up. And so uh, my family's still back there. So I go back there a lot and there's a lot of trout fishing, um, a lot of drum fishing this time of year. Red drum are really big into that right now. Um, and cobia fishing. I mean, just a lot of, a lot of stuff locally. I don't do a lot of it here because I don't have a lot of places to go. There are places to go here, but we don't have a boat. And so I'm not going to buy a boat. And so we don't do a whole lot of fishing from that standpoint. But my daughter does do, we, we do a good bit of fishing. My wife, you may or may, I don't know if I've ever told you, my wife prior to all this stuff was a competitive water skier. That's sort of what she did oh, wow. on her. That was her, that was her summertime thing is like she, 
she's a water skier. So the kids and would go with her wherever she would go water skiing. And so there's a lot of bodies of water there. So we do some fishing on the lakes that she would ski on. Um, and so it was always a fun time. Uh, and, and, but we haven't done any of it this year. So it'll be interesting to see what we can get back to next year. I'm sure we're out of time on your schedule. Mm -hmm. So we appreciate that. It was great visiting with you today and, and, yep. uh, getting to see you, even though we can't come to your store right now or probably shouldn't. But uh, yeah. it's good to see you again. Yeah, it's good to see both of you. Thank you for all you do. And, and thank you for speaking at Connect. And I think you've done a couple mm -hmm. webinars and things, too, with us, yep. helping other people. And just appreciate yep. everything you do. Always glad to help. Always glad to be a part of it. Hopefully we'll get uh, back in, in person event eventually. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Maybe well, next year. <laughs> thank you again for visiting with us. And if you see Tim, tell him I said hi. Yeah, me too. Oh, uh, don't worry. I will. <laughs> All right. All right. Bye-bye. Right. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye, Brent. Thank you for listening to this Catalyst podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider liking, subscribing, and or following us. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more amazing pharmacy people like you. Follow PioneerX on your preferred social media platform for the latest up-to-date pharmacy news and content.